there, it's Carrie here from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. Welcome to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Today is my first full episode, and I'm going to dive right in with the topic of C-sections. And say hi to little Willa, my daughter. She's here on my lap. <laughs> Today's guest is Sarah Romanowski an aerialist and an amazing all-around human being. I am lucky enough to call her a friend, and hopefully she'll be a regular on this podcast. Pre-pandemic, Sarah most recently performed with Cirque du Soleil's Axel, which is their skating meets circus arena touring show. And before that, she performed as an aerialist in Radio City Music Hall's Christmas Spectacular, Sarah is an amazing teacher, and she was my teacher earlier on in my career, and generally a leader in our community. I am so happy to have her here today. So without further ado, let's get started into our topic, C-sections and the aerialist. Undergoing surgery is a big deal no matter how big or small. And having a C-section, whether it's planned, unplanned, or an emergency C-section can be really scary. It's major abdominal surgery, and even though it has become so commonplace, it cannot be understated that it's a big deal. Early in my second trimester, my partner and I had conversations with our OB about a possible C-section because I was diagnosed with a placentia previa. This is when the placenta happens to sit close to or on top of the cervix, and it's potentially dangerous because if the baby's head um, happens to tear it through a vaginal birth or any time during the pregnancy, there's danger to bleed out. And as an aerialist, the idea of slicing through my center was just so terrifying. I had heard horror stories of women who had numbness at the incision that never went away. And for others, they didn't return to aerial after the C-section at all. I had expressed my anxiety to my doctor, and this is when I found out that modern C-sections don't cut through muscle. It's something that I didn't know And I don't know what I was imagining. Maybe I was imagining a scary big knife just cutting through all the layers in one slice. But that is not how they do it, and thankfully so. First, they do an incision horizontally on the skin. Then they separate the abdominals by tearing vertically. They move the guts and the organs to the side if need be. And then finally, they cut through the uterus. This information calmed a lot of my anxiety, but what still loomed in front of me was the question of whether or not a C-section would be scheduled. And lo and behold, I ended up with the worst of the two worlds of trying for a vaginal birth and ending up with a C-section. My water broke on my due date, but unfortunately we ended up with what they call a failed labor. My cervix only dilated to four centimeters. And so after 30 hours of pushing Pitocin and trying to get my cervix to soften and open, 
we decided to opt for a C-section and they prepped me for surgery. But the surgery was uneventful and we brought our beautiful daughter into the world. And except for a rough first week after the surgery because the painkillers were messing with my stomach and I was having a lot of nausea, which sucks if you have staples in your gut to want to throw up. Besides that, I had a pretty uneventful recovery when it comes to just the skin healing. But here was the beginning of my journey back to being an aerialist, and this is where our story begins with Sarah. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you. Um, So as I said before, Sarah used to be my silks teacher, and since then she has done a million things and traveled around the world, and we're just good friends now. And since then, she's also become pregnant and then had her daughter. So congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so can much. You, can, you tell, can you tell me about your pregnancy a little bit, even though it's in hindsight right now, and maybe the best parts and most challenging parts for you, just as a woman and then as an aerialist as well? Sure. Um, One thing that I always thought was so unfair about pregnancy, especially when you're aerialist, is that, I mean, especially if you're pregnant with a girl, I mean, who knows if this is just an old wives tale or not, but I was definitely very sick my first trimester and extra exhausted. Mm. And And I had a girl and I feel like the women I know who have had boys didn't have as much of that, but I don't know. Um, but in any case, I just always thought that it sucked that the first trimester is when you're so sick, but that's when you could totally get away with still performing and training and putting videos out there of you. Like you can totally get away with it if you feel like crap. Right. Um, I was sick too. I was sick too. It was terrible. Yeah. But then the second trimester, it's like, I felt great. But that's when you're in that awkward in between, like you don't quite want to post videos of yourself because it's like, well, did she just gain weight or is she pregnant? And it's like, you're not ready to announce it. So it's like that awkward time, but you feel really good. And then third trimester is like, well, well, obviously you're pregnant, but now it's very hard to do things. (laughs) So it just feels all, you know, so I wish I could swap some of those things around. (laughs) Totally. I, I 100% agree. Um, did you, did you end up training through your pregnancy? Yeah. Um, I trained, uh, even though I did not feel good, I trained a lot the first trimester. Oh, okay. I, I was really trying to like, I mean, nothing crazy, but I was just, I was trying to really prep my body knowing that I was going to end up having to take, you know, like a sizable break. So I, it's like, I almost wanted to put those, that work in ahead of time. Um, so I was doing a lot. I had like ankle weights. I was like doing all my what? conditioning, like all, but <laughs> Keep in mind, like for the six months prior to, because my um, pregnancy exactly fit into the pandemic. I just happened to get pregnant. Uh, I actually found out I was pregnant the weekend that everything shut down, which was, I think, middle of March. Really? I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Because I only knew you were pregnant three months, three, four months later, because that's when you announced. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, um, I had actually just made a trip to the Bay Area to see my family. And while I was there, that's when the news got extra crazy. And I was like, oh man, I think I should, I should leave. And while I was there, I found out I was pregnant and it was, it was an on purpose pregnancy, but, uh, but who knew that it was going to coincide 
so perfectly with us, you know, having to isolate anyway, and then us not having work, but it's okay because we got unemployment, you know, and I mean, actually it's all, it's all worked out really nicely. Um, but I feel like I totally veered away from your question. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, so you trained in your first trimester and I did too. Um, yeah. we all know that, uh, my training got derailed because I got diagnosed with placenta previa four and a half months in. So they put me on pelvic rest. I wasn't able to train because I wasn't allowed. So would you mind letting, I I actually don't really know what that is. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so it's when the placenta is just by chance too close to your cervix or right on top of it or partially on top of it. Okay. Got it. So a lot of like clip art that you'll see of pregnancy, they'll have the placenta like at the baby's head. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, at the top, at the top of, of your entire amniotic sac. And it just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just random. So what happens is because the, because of its location, they're worried about bleeding. And so oh. they tell you that you can't do anything. And then of course I was like, does that mean I can't do aerial work? And she's right. like, well, do you use your pelvis in aerial work? I'm like, oh crap. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. very much so. Um, and for me, uh, so, so you, okay, let me, let me and just step I, back so I don't go past yeah. this. And You're I just training. remember so the first tri- trimester and then your second. Yeah. Well, I actually just remembered why, what I was going to say about the ankle weights. What I was going to say was that the six months prior to the pandemic slash pregnancy, I was touring with Cirque du Soleil in a show where we had to wear ice skates in the air. That's right. So, That's right. So me wearing ankle weights while conditioning actually wasn't that crazy because I had been used to wearing ice skates. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> right. And for me, it's crazy because you will not find me training with ankle weights because my hip flexors get like really like sure. messed up quickly. But yeah. man, when Sarah was on in the training process for Axel by Cirque du Soleil, she would tell us the training process. I could not believe my abs would have given out on me in a fourth of the time because, you know, she's doing, you were doing bungee work and you had yeah. freaking ice skates on. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I loved it just because I loved getting my core to that strong of a place where I could do that. Um, although in the very beginning of the contract, literally the the week that I got there, they threw me into the ice skates right away and into like hour to an hour and a half solo bungee sessions every day to get me caught up to everyone else. And I had done bungee before, I mean, for years off and on, but never with ice skates. And I hadn't, I also hadn't done it in a little while. And the, the shock to my core was so much that it just shut off. Like it completely shut off to the point where for almost a week, I, if I was laying on my back, I couldn't lift my legs up. I had to literally push and roll myself out of bed. Um, so I had to take a week off of training only a week after getting there. It was terrible. Um, but then I used the tens unit on my abs and I, I just rested and then used the tens unit. And then I literally could feel the moment that they snapped back on. And I remember thinking like, huh, in the future, like whenever I do end up getting pregnant, which it was sooner than I realized, I wonder if like 
the getting the core back would feel at all like this, like where it just completely shut off, especially, you know, I ended up getting a C-section, um, mm-hmm. you know, as you did. So it, it actually didn't feel the it same. It didn't. It didn't feel the same. I, no. <laughs> it makes me want to go study like muscle activation because I don't, like, I don't really hundred percent understand how it works, but I do know when, when you're going through that, I was like, I remember you're like, what if they just never turn, turn back on? <laughs> it was and we were like, crazy. what if? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, like, I was, I would hang by my hands on a bar and I couldn't lift my knees. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm sore. Oh, it hurts. Right. It's like, oh, no, I actually just, like, that connection was, like, severed temporarily, thank God. But what what the PTs there told me, which they were amazing, by the way, um, but they said that it's a protective thing. Like if your uh, system's getting overloaded, it will purposefully shut off so that you don't hurt yourself. And I was like, well, isn't my body smart? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, Yeah. Okay. Okay. So going back to training. So in your second trimester, so for me, the, like a front balance and a hammock or a lira was the, one of the first things to go. Mm-hmm. In my practice, but the actual first thing to go out of an abundance of ca- abundance of caution was wheel downs and belly wraps. How sure. about you? How did you how did you experience that? Well, I was already pretty limited because um, as as this whole um, social isolating thing started um, in quarantining, I was limited to a small rig versus what mm-hmm. I usually train on, which is a huge rig, um, or a huge, you know, point. So I couldn't really do drops anyway. I still haven't done drops. I haven't done drops since March of last year, which is like crazy to me. Um, so those things weren't even really an option. So I don't even really know if I would have been doing them or not, to be honest. Okay. Um, I would say just strength wise, the first thing that went was probably skin the cats. Um, and then I would say the next thing I cut out was maybe like meat hooks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wraps, wraps around the waist. Yeah. Again, because I was, I'm, I've been doing more just sort of like foot lucky stuff or traditional stuff or whatever. Yeah. That, that didn't really affect me so much. I, I did, I will say, I think silks was the apparatus that I could maintain the most until the end of pregnancy. Um, if I, and I would say it's the one that it was the, has been the best transition of getting back in. Although I think hoop has been really great for conditioning. Mm. Um, but just in terms of like what I can actually accomplish on an apparatus towards the end of pregnancy and toward, and in the beginning of getting back into it, I, I would say silks is just so, it's just so versatile and <laughs> how you can like, yeah. go from the floor and do things and then work your way up. And, um, yeah, so I definitely started cutting things out in the second trimester. Um, and on, in addition to aerial training, I was also hiking three or four miles a day. Um, I was really trying to stay as active as I could. And then I would say like, uh, I would say a month and a half before giving birth, that was when hikes turned into walks <laughs> and, um, yeah. and three, four miles turned into like two miles and the aerial training definitely, uh, decreased. It just didn't feel good towards the end. And, and also stretching, to be honest, decreased. Like there just, 
certain things that just don't feel good anymore. And I, I definitely feel like my body spoke to me throughout my pregnancy and it definitely told me like, this is okay. This isn't, um, I don't know at all. I never felt like confused. I felt, it felt very clear the whole time. Like, Oh, Oh, I shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> or, Oh, I can still do this. You know what I'm saying? And mostly it was your intuition. I don't, I, well, I don't even know if I'd call it intuition. I would say I would try something and my body would be like, yep, or nope. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It felt, it felt, yeah, it felt pretty clear. Um, but I also think that comes from an abundance of, you know, I've come back from injuries before in the past right. and I've been doing this for so many years. Like if I was newer to Ariel, I don't think I would maybe have had that same intuition and also having the dance background and just having such a, a physical background in so many different ways, um, helped. Um, and then I, both of us had C-sections and, and we can get to this decision in many different ways. Can you talk a little bit about how you arrived, you and your partner arrived to that? Sure. Um, so I had my accident back in 2009. I, it was an aerial accident and I had to have pins put in my pelvis. Um, uh, there were four put in. And then a few years later, I had one of them taken out because a calcium deposit had grown over it. But three of the pins are still there. And the original doctor that did the surgery, I asked, I mean, this was, well, I don't know, 12, was it 12 years ago at this point? But I yeah, asked well. the night of the surgery, I, I was like, well, so what happens in terms of birth later on in life? And he said, well, I would recommend a C-section. And that was sort of the whole conversation. And then over the years here and there, I've just sort of asked different doctors as it's come up, like, or, you know, I'm going to the OB or whatever, be like, so I have pins in my pelvis. Like, what's your opinion? Like, can I try a vaginal birth or, or would I need a C-section? Like this doctor originally said, and I don't know, I just kind of kept getting different answers. Like some people would be like, oh, I'd really need to see a new scan of your pelvis to know, or, mm. oh, oh no, you're totally fine. You could totally have a vaginal birth with pins in your pelvis. So I started getting different answers. And then basically what it came down to is the doctor that we decided to go with, um, you know, and, and we decided to trust no matter which way we went, we asked him like, so what do you think? Um, C-section or no. And he's like, if you really felt strongly about trying to have a vaginal birth, then, um, we would have to do a CT scan on your pelvis because it's possible the pins have moved over the years and we would just need to see what's going on there. And so that depending on how you feel about it, you could say, Oh, it's a little bit of radiation, no big deal. Or you could say, Oh, I don't really want to expose my, my unborn baby to any extra radiation that it doesn't need. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's like, he's like, it's up to you. But honestly, if the original doctor that did the surgery said that he recommends a C-section, I think he said that for a reason. And, and if you just want to, you know, be a, more on the cautious side, I would go with what the original doctor said. So, and I was like, great. And honestly, I was like, cool. <laughs> cool. I get to avoid labor. I get to avoid the question mark of when the baby's going to come. Like I have a date set. I know what's going to happen. It's a half an hour procedure. And, um, I know a lot of people try to scare you away from having C-sections because I don't know, people say that, Maybe the baby won't latch. 
or I don't know, or maybe that the baby won't be as healthy or I don't know. You hear so many different things, but honestly, she has been perfectly healthy from day one. She latched immediately. There have been no issues with breastfeeding. Like, um, it's honestly, the whole experience was great (laughs) and I wouldn't change any part of it. And I'm really glad your experience is great because of our group of friends, there's now total four C-sections and we're all aerialists, right? Four? four? Yeah, it's four. It's four, including you. Okay. Yeah. And Sarah is the last of the four until somebody decides to have more children. (laughs) And, (laughs) And all three out of the four we did not plan on having C-sections and ended up having C-sections and we don't have great, amazing stories. Right. <laughs> like, we have stories that we'd like to kind of forget. Yeah. And so... Because um, it was taken the, it was taken out of your hands. It's like it wasn't your choice and that is yeah. hard, right? Yeah, that part's hard, that mental shift. And, and at least for me, I was like, I could have made my life so much easier if I just scheduled this with the placenta previa because that was also part of mine where they're like, there is a risk factor to go, you know, it's not. What did they recommend? Did they say, what, yeah, what did they tell you to do? Well, so my, the doctor who was doing all of my like weekly and monthly um, ultrasounds because of the previa, because I, of that, I had to go in more often to, to look. Okay. He was measuring where the placenta was on a weekly basis. And he was trying to get me to a vaginal delivery. So he, by the time I saw him last, he was like, it's moved enough millimeters, millimeters, not centimeters. So just barely for you to, to pull off a vaginal. And so, I mean, in hindsight, I would have been like, that's not, that's not enough. No, I didn't feel pressured. I just, I just, it yeah. was hard because for at least three, four months, I was like wrapped my head around getting a C-section. And then I had, sure. you know, what's the word when you just come to terms with it and you're at peace yeah. with it. And then, cause I never wanted a C-section. And then this doctor says, you know, I think we could go for a vaginal. And I'm like, oh, sh- oh. shit, what do I do now? You know? The so, doctor was excited. So you're like, well, maybe I should be excited. Right. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I won't get my belly sliced in half. And, you know, so I ended up with one anyways. And when you, you know, Mm -hmm. after my daughter was born, our our babies are about a year or so apart. Mm -hmm. When you had announced to us that you're going to schedule a C-section, I was like, I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) My hindsight is jealous. But um, yeah. Not to say that was any of our choices, because obviously the next thing sure. we're going to talk about is coming back. And yeah. and I was going to have more people on this call, but I decided it was too much. And maybe we'll just have multiple sure. podcasts on everyone else's experience. But yeah. tell me what it was like the first week after, and then maybe a month or two after, and when you decided to start... Um, you know, even in a small way, engaging your abs again. Yeah. Um, so by the end of pregnancy, I had gained like 50 pounds. <laughs> Just throw that amazing. out there. Uh, which, which is amazing. Which didn't, it, funny, it didn't feel crazy. It didn't feel that, I don't know. 
It felt actually like that was the exact amount I was supposed to gain. Well, you're um, tall. That's the thing. Yeah. If I have gained 50 pounds, it would have been crazy. Sure. And that's yeah. with like exercising every day, every, the whole pregnancy. Anyway. Um, but okay. So then, then we had the C-section and then it, let's see, those first few days were really the the ones that like where it really hurt, you know, like in the hospital, the first couple days, two, three days, um, where it's like, if I was just sitting there, I would be perfectly fine. But then they'd be like, okay, well, uh, you should, you should get up and walk around. And then as soon as I stood up, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I feel like, but then the medication that they were giving me was making me like, um, it was just, my digestion was like, ah, like ouchy, like, like gassy, I guess, or something. Um, so then sitting there didn't, so walking around helped the digestion, but then laying there helped the core. So basically nothing felt good. Um, so finally at one point, I remember one of the nights I was in the hospital, I just kept walking. I was just, I just kept walking and I'm glad that I did as walked in circles <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually it seemed to help. And, um, and as soon as I got home, I mean, I mean, they said like, you can walk as much as you want, really. And um, that's the only exercise you're really cleared for in the beginning. So I, I mean, I, I went on walks, I think starting within a couple days of getting home and, um, and we have stairs in our house. So, I mean, I kind of think that helped maybe a little bit too. Mm. Uh, and it felt, pretty fine but then just out of nowhere kind of like when you're pregnant and you have those sudden um lightning crotch pains it was lightning crotch it was kind of like that (laughs) but in my core and worse (laughs) um like I just remember I never had that I never had that no I had other problems but not that it would just be a sudden stab um so I definitely was taking the pain meds those first few days But then it tapered off very quickly. Like I very quickly was able to go off of all the pain meds and, and those stabbing pains for sure were gone by like with, by a week, I guess. Um, and, but yeah, it was very frustrating because, you know, they say you can only walk at first. So that's all I did. Um, the first five weeks and then I had Mm -hmm. my follow-up appointment at five weeks and he said I could start doing ab exercises then I was like okay so I can do plank and all this stuff and he was like yeah so um I that day I I just started gently um with core exercises and I did get on the rig but I just did very simple very basic easy easy um and I I only did what felt good I didn't do anything that that hurt or dangerous or anything. Um, so I just, I just have kept to it ever since I was cleared to get back on the rig. I've, I've been on it every day and I just do a little bit more every day and I just increase the exercises I do. So gosh, how many, oh, how many weeks would that be now? Cause she'll be three months. Yeah. She'll be three months in like a week, I guess. Um, so however, however many weeks that is. Um, so about a month and a half you've been yeah, Back I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At about a month and a half. And, um, and I'm feeling pretty good. Like I think you, you know, if you're, if you're steady with it, slow and steady wins the race. Like, um, 
you know, it's, I'm definitely feeling improvement and definitely like if I choose to work on something one day and then I, and it's really hard, I come back to that same thing the next day and it's a little bit easier and I just keep doing it. It's just numbers. I just keep doing the thing over and over and eventually like it feels better and your body, you know, has muscle memory and, and it gets used to it again. And it's, um, it's, I think, I think because I've come back from injury before, I think that's why I wasn't worried about coming back. I was just going to say that. You and I, um, so Sarah and I, we didn't know each other that well when she got in her accident and about a year later I got into my accident and we connected over that at some point. And I 100% agree because having the baby and the surgery was not even close to as hard as my previous Mm. surgery and Mm post-op. I think my, my, um, just my experience around it's so different. Like the fear around it, I think I would have had more fear had I not had the scary thing happen to me before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, um, I know for me, when I had my accident, I was in a wheelchair for seven weeks. I think I couldn't put Mm. any weight, any weight on my feet at all for seven weeks. Um, so to come back from being in a wheelchair, wait, Oh, you couldn't use either foot now. Sorry. It took me a second to think about that because I was on crutches. Right. Right. Oh no, I could not, I did not stand at all (laughs) for seven weeks, man. Um, yeah. And so that was harder to come back from. So this felt easier for sure. <laughs> Cause I have, I've been, I've been walking and standing this whole time. <laughs> and also just from a mental standpoint, when you have a kid, when you have a baby, like the end result is generally really exciting and happy. Oh yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas oh, yeah. well, it should be. <laughs> it's all for or, something. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's for something that you've been excited about when oh, yeah. you're just coming, when you're just recovering and trying to get back to what you normally are. It just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard mentally. It's really hard mentally. Yeah. I felt really lucky when I had my accident. I don't know. I just felt like I had so much support and in my pregnancy too. But I, I, I think just having a support system around you, having just people who love you and who are expressing, you know, how much they care for you and how they want the best for you. I don't know. It really helped a lot. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. And I feel like at some point in the future, because I want Sarah to be a regular on this podcast, we will probably for the, for the listeners who either don't know us or don't know of the accidents we had, I'm sure at some point we'll go deep into that. Um, sure. Yeah. Because I feel like that's a whole different thing. That's actually, Mm -hmm people can learn from because it, it was such an, inc- it's an incredible experience regardless of if it's negative or positive. So, um, and now that you're a mom, mm-hmm. tell me what, you know, maybe some of the best parts, some of the most challenging parts of, of, of this transition. And, and then after that, looking to the future, yeah. You know, it's it's very interesting because this pandemic kind of has us in a place where we're not too worried about what it's like to work and yeah. mom at the same time. It's not really coming up so quickly for right. us. But anyway, so what what has this transition been like? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, 
first of all, I feel like a lot of people try to scare you when you're about to have a baby. (laughs) I feel like that's the number one. I feel like everyone is really excited when you announce that you're pregnant and then, and then people try to scare you. Not you or any of our close friends, but just people in general, the outside people. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just a, it's just a thing. I don't, and I'm not really sure what that is. Maybe it's like a, I, I want you to join us in this childhood thing, but it's hell. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like that's a sentiment that I kind of get. Yeah, I feel like the whole time I was pregnant, I was like, and I kept reminding my husband, Christian, I was like, okay, it's about to get really hard and we're not going to get any sleep. And people say that you don't even have time to eat and you don't have time to go to the bathroom. You don't have time to shower. And I, I, these are all things I've heard. And so I had this in my head and I kept like reiterating it to Christian. I'm like, just so you know, it's about to be hell. And then the baby came and like, I don't know, we eat and shower and go to the bathroom <laughs> and do everything the way we normally would. Like I, I'm like, what's everyone talking about? But maybe, you know what? Like, I, I don't know that like this pandemic kind of just changed everything. Cause we're just, we're both home. Like, and we're, yeah. neither of us has to go off and work. So I'm sure when I've heard those things, it's probably when, you know, one person, one partner has to leave and go back to work really soon. Or maybe, you know, both people are still trying to work and take care of the baby at the same time. So for us, I mean, it's, it's been this weird blessing, this, uh, this quarantine, this pandemic, like it's, it's not a good thing, but if I were to find some sort of silver lining from it, like it's been very low stress. It's been a very relaxing way to bring a baby into this world. And, um, and we have a really nice, um, balance, the two of us, just in terms of taking care of her. And, um, he does all the diaper changes since I do, you know, the feeding and, um, and thankfully she is, taking she had a few days this last week where she was oh not she's so taking sure. a bottle now <laughs> she well she she's been taking it for like i don't know we we introduced it kind of when they recommend to which i forget when that is now like a month in um so we introduced it early on like i would use the haka to like build up supply and i have the, the bags in the freezer and then i have milk in the fridge um And so it kind of took a bit to get her used to it. And then it's like, we took one day off and, um, and then she suddenly didn't like it. (laughs) And so we had a few days there where she was just, and it, it's not formula. It's, it's my milk. It's the same freaking thing, but she just didn't want it. Um, but today we had a very good day. (laughs) Man, whenever you do it, congratulations, because (laughs) My daughter has never, now she's drinking from the bottle, but she's also drinking from a sippy cup. So it's just another cup. She, she did not feed on anything besides me until she ate real food. It was a long ass time. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, And I think like, um, when possible, when it's possible to get the baby to accept the bottle, it's just, I think so good for the mom's mental health to just have a, even just one feed off a day makes a big difference, you know? And then it's like when you can, 
I mean, not that I have a ton to do these days, but if I wanted to go leave and go on like a little solo hike for a couple hours or whatever, or when I'm in the back, this is usually when he feeds her is when I'm in the backyard training. And if she gets hungry, then he'll just, he'll do the bottle. And it's, it's just nice so that I can have my uninterrupted training every day. And, um, yeah, it, the the workload balance i think just makes a huge difference not only for my mental health but for my training and getting back into aerial and feeling like you know i'm feeling supported getting my body back to where i want it to be and um yeah and i take her on long stroller walks every day and i'm doing my little stretches and exercises on the floor with her sometimes while she's doing tummy time <laughs> nice so, that's kind of like our typical day I, you know, I laugh because both Sarah and I love to train. Like I train a lot too, but I do not like walking, running, hiking. <laughs> I hate running. I hate running. So, so Sarah like tells me, you know, us and our friends, she's like, I'm going on a daily hike and like literally to go two blocks, I will get in the car. So, <laughs> but that's, like, I just. Like LA story. <laughs> no, that totally, it totally is. Um, and, you know, what advice would you have for aerialists, aerialists who are thinking of getting pregnant or maybe they've already had their babies and they haven't come back to it yet and there's kind of a mental block of, oh, this is going to be so hard. Do you, do you have any words for those type of women? I mean... For me, and this is something I would say to students completely outside of pregnancy as well, is I always say it's just in the numbers. You just have to keep doing the thing. And your body, chances are, is going to eventually say, okay. (laughs) It's going to be like, no, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. And then eventually it's like, okay, fine. (laughs) It will adjust. And your body does have muscle memory especially if you had a strong aerial practice before. And, um, you know, I think it's just doing the exercises and doing the things. And if you don't, if you don't know what the things are, the exercises are, go seek that out. Um, which is exactly, you know, why we're talking about this. And, um, and of course, being patient with yourself, knowing that you're not gonna, even if, if in your head, you're like, I, I totally feel like I could do X, Y, or Z right now. And then you get out on the rig, you're like, oh, no, I, I can't. <laughs> and that's totally fine. It's just taking time, being patient, putting the numbers in, putting the hours in, and, and it's going to come back. So Sarah's advice is to beat your body into submission. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> so yeah, so basically just taking it a step at a time, day by day. And then, you know, may, it's hard not to have expectations for yourself, especially if like your straddle was a certain way before. Sure. And now it looks like this. For me, that's a challenge because the timing of my training, I took two and a half months off after the surgery. And then January 2nd, I remember because it was right after New Year's Eve, I was in the studio for the first time and it was fine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. Like I didn't have my hip key anymore. My, my inversion off the ground wasn't there, mm-hmm. but up until March 14th, I was training and I was like, I'm going to get there. And then the freaking world shut down. 
Right, right. And I don't have a rig on my property because I'm renting and they won't allow us to, like, we tried. I tried, I tried. Actually, isn't that the reason why you got Tanya's rig? Because I couldn't take it? No. No. No, no, no. Because I had mine, I got it before uh, before that conversation happened with you, I think. Because she had two. She had had two and she gifted one to you and then she was going to gift one to me. And then... And then um, I couldn't accept it. And then Womack and Bowman opened back up in right. June. And so I had three, two and a half months on, two and a half months off. Yeah. And then really started back in June. And it took me up until now because my body's just not really quick. It's, it takes a while for me personally. So Your videos are looking great. By Thank the way, you. I, BTW. I, <laughs> I am just working on like centimeters, getting my straddle to look more open because that was the hardest part oh. after I could generally do everything. It was just okay. like my straddle looks so closed okay. and it was, I wouldn't say embarrassing because everyone knew I had had a kid and I explained, you know, even when I'm teaching, I'm like, my straddle is still not there. And, That's not even know. something I've noticed lacking. I mean, maybe, um, maybe, maybe your videos hid that, <laughs> but I, I, well, if I had, if I had a really close straddle on one of my videos, I would either do it again or I would not include the entry on the, on ah. the wrap. <laughs> sneaky, <laughs> no, I, sneaky I, editing. I'm, I'm, I totally understand that. <laughs> because it makes me cringe. Not because I, I, I expect my body to have a perfect straddle yet. It, it's I taking it. as long as it takes, but yeah. Yeah, that was the biggest problem. After I could, you know, physically lift my hips over my head, it was like, okay, this looks terrible. And I want it to look a certain way. So, sure. um, but yeah, so I'm really hoping that bringing these stories to the forefront and just getting these stories accessible to other women who are either going to go through this or have and are yeah. either hobbyists or or the professionals and just struggling with the recovery. I, I just hope that it just brings more light to it. And we'll have a lot more conversations about a lot of other things. Um, you guys can find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah, Sarah Romanowski. And I'll, I'll also put it up on all my social media so that you guys can just click to find her. And, um, she's, she's actually one of the best people to take a virtual private from because, you may or may not know this, but talk teaching is a very specific skill. Not all, not not everyone can do it. So, if you are, if you have access to a rig, but you don't have access to a studio or your instructors, um, I suggest very highly that you know, give give Sarah a call or a DM because um, it is a very specific skill that I have now because I taught through my entire pregnancy on the ground. And Sarah has had that even before me. So it's, um, it's very specific and, uh, it's coming into uh, handy right now. Thank you. And you know what, like one thing that this pregnancy and coming back from pregnancy has given me is increased empathy for students (laughs) because I'll be perfectly honest, in the past, when <laughs> students of mine had to like jump off the floor or use their feet to get their hips up and their straddle, 
you know, or whatever, so many number of things, you know, I could teach them, but in my head, I was always like, but can't you do that without jumping? And now I'm like, I mean, I, I can do a straddle off the ground now, but I have definitely felt what that feels like now. (laughs) I know what it feels like to not be able to straddle without jumping off the floor or using your feet. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Right. Cause even if that was the case, the first day we went to class, that was what, 13 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) So we don't really remember. It's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded. It actually really helps. It, it really helps me because I want to be able to empathize with my students. And now that I'm like reminded of what that feels like, I'm like, Oh yeah, that can be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. So funny. So thank you for being with us. Um, I'm definitely gonna have Sarah back because I want to at some point talk about our accidents. And I also want to at some point talk about her doing a single chain in ice skates act. (laughs) Cool. So we will get there, but thank you for being with us and, um, have a wonderful night. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you so much to Sarah and for our listeners for being here. And we will see you next time. You want to say goodbye to everyone? You can say goodbye. (laughs) There you go. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day.